Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry, hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to PR360. I'm your host, Brett Deister. And if you've heard my voice before, it's because I do another podcast called Digital Coffee, where I talk about PC gaming, because that's all the rage in town right now, especially in digital. But for this one, we talk about exciting people in the PR world and the tech world as well. I got with me Stacy, who is a business leader with diverse digital marketing and communication experience and the ability to translate strategic vision into actionable results. Areas of expertise include integrated strategy, campaign management, digital, social, and mobile marketing, content and thought leadership strategy, and team and vendor management, plus press relations. And she's also a cat owner. Yes. How many cats? Two. It feels like you got that right off my LinkedIn profile. So thank you for staying on message. I always stay on message. (laughs) So my first question is coffee or tea? I feel like tea drinkers are much more sophisticated, but I am team coffee. So am I. I even got a coffee cup (laughs) in my hand right now because it's always, it's always what I need to wake up. But what is the first thing you do in the morning when you get into the office? What is the first thing you look at? What's your day in life in the morning? Yeah. So I, I put my lunch away in the fridge because I try very hard not to eat out because I stay on budget. And then I check email. I am admittedly a slave to my email and it is the first thing in my day. All right. So tell us a little bit about the company you work for. Some people might not know about it. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So Advanced Energy is a billion dollar company, global presence in basically all four corners of the earth. And it is a, what we're going to lovingly term deep tech. So it has, its legacy is really around the semiconductor market. It has since moved into industrial and telecom markets. And they really are focused on power devices, power conversion, power control, things of that nature. They build a lot of highly technical power devices that get put into what we would call advanced manufacturing processes. So again, everything from semiconductor manufacturing to paper manufacturing to horticultural lighting and and things of that nature. So it's a tremendously diversified company. All right. And you do business to business or B2B social media. And what is kind of your go-to social networks for working in this type of environment? Right. So I think LinkedIn is the obvious choice at this point. I would say second to that is Twitter. And then specific to AE, because we have such a heavy presence in Asia, we're looking at Asian social networks, particularly WeChat and a few of the other ones out there. So that's kind of really where we focus our efforts. Mm. And what are some of the kind of misconceptions about social media marketing, business to business? Because I feel like people are like, it's boring. It's not as sexy as business to customer. Yeah. Well, I think that is the misconception that it is boring and that there's really not a whole lot to say. And and really, how do you make power supplies sexy or how do you make any uninteresting product sexy? And that's kind of what I've built my career on is trying to (laughs) glam these things up. I think that coupled with what you said before, right, that B2C brands that the Wendy's and the Papa John's and the Nikes and whatnot of the world get to have a lot more fun on social media. And I think that may or may not be true. What I would say is that B2B's have a tremendous opportunity on social media to bring life to their brand, but also to really create and distribute very meaningful content. Mm. And so I was about to say, how do you bring the unsexy to business to business? Well, so, you know, what appeals to me about marketing and, and social media in particular, especially in a B2B context, is that it is unique opportunity to be very creative. 
and to bring both the left hand and the right hand side of your brain together and to do some interesting things. And so that's everything from live streaming, finding very unique storylines, live streaming, infographics, white papers, ebooks, all of this, this entire cache of content opportunities and to really deliver your brand story in an interesting way that other mediums don't necessarily afford you. I think also that there's a tremendous customer service opportunity in for many B2Bs. And while your B2Cs are probably much more mature in that respect, B2Bs are getting on board and they're seeing that opportunity. And I think that that, I would say not even customer service, customer experience, but the ability that social media has to deliver a outstanding customer experience is where I would say, I think B2B social media is really heading and where there's going to be a tremendous amount of felt value. So you kind of said what content does work for B2Bs, but what yeah. content doesn't work for B2B? I think there's nah, there's no content per se that doesn't work for B2Bs. I think you could pretty much tick off any box that you want. It's really about the story, right? It's, it's less about the content piece itself. It's about the story that goes along with it. I have no interest, like Denise's often want to do, put up a lot of memes and things like that. I am less interested in memes in a B2B context unless there's a direct tie-in. Not to say I haven't used memes before or used a lot lot of GIFs slash GIFs, whatever your preference is on that term, but they have to be very well-timed and it's, you can't just throw up a picture of a stack of pancakes and have that resonate. I can't just throw up a product picture in, in my world and have that do the work for me. There actually has to be a storytelling element to it that's really meaningful. And what types of tools do you use to create those types of content? Are there any like special one that you really rely on? Yeah. My graphic designer. <laughs> so... Find yourself a good graphic designer. <laughs> um, no, so I have an army of contractors and agencies and that work with us to help develop that content. From a distribution side, I would say that any uh, social media program that's worth its salt is going to have a few key tools that they use. One is going to be a social marketing platform. Very well-known ones out there like Koros or Sprinkler, Buffer, some of these big ones, and they're out there to help you distribute and time your messages. You're also going to look for the social listening platforms. So Brandwatch, Meltwater, all of those types of platforms, you want one of those to help augment and really do some deep dives into what's happening out in social media land. And then I would say the third element is going to be an employee advocacy platform. So you've got a whole host of those, everything from Social Chorus to Dynamic Signal, and they really help activate your employee base and your key set of advocates whether those are internal or external, to really share your brand story with their personal networks. Do you have any personal favorites for listening and social media platforms for posting? Uh, I do. So <laughs> I've mentioned them. So Koros is what I use. And for social media listening, I the name escapes me now, and I can't believe I can't remember it because I think I just said it. Uh, nope. <laughs> Brandwatch is my social listening platform of choice. So yeah. Mm. And so with all that being said, is there like a push to do video more? Is there a push to not do video live Certainly. streaming? Certainly live streaming and video is content du jour. And that makes sense. It's a much more interactive medium. You're engaging more of your senses. And so I think there's a tremendous amount of value. Now that said, doing too much of any one thing can get old. So you've got to really have a holistic approach to the kind of content you're delivering. And so I'm never going to look for a corporate social media strategy to just solely be focused on one content element. Everything should be augmented, whether it's blog posts or white papers or infographics or lots of video. Each of those content elements target a different type of person. Frankly, I personally do not love video. 
I would much rather spend my time reading about something than watching a seven, eight, nine minute video. That's me personally. You kind of have to know that not every person is the same. And a lot of people like video. They'll sit and watch the video. It's better for the way that they like to consume content. And that's fine. There's no wrong answer, but you got to be able to diversify and hit a diverse audience. And so when you're planning this, how do you go about planning the storytelling? Is it different every year? Is it the same thing? Do you do like long multi-year storytelling? Like how does that go? So it really depends. It's a little bit of everything. So I think certainly there is going to be the long-term macro stories that you're going to want to tell, particularly about your brand, right? So you want everything to be really centered on a single message around what your brand is about. And then you're going to have specific storylines to different product lines. And then there's also what I'm going to call opportunistic stories. So for instance, and I'm going to draw on on a previous professional life here, October is National Cybersecurity Month, as an example. So for businesses in cybersecurity, that is a month where the industry at large is thinking about that topic and you want to be able to maximize that on your social networks, right? So that can be any number of things that you may want to do, but you want to hone in on those topics as they they present themselves. Engineers Week, for instance, at AE, that's a big deal to us. We want to make sure we're developing content that delivers against that week so that we can hit a larger conversation around what's happening in engineering. Mm, always those weeks. There's always one of those weeks. There's one every do. week. Yes. But going back to LinkedIn, because I've heard a lot of times that LinkedIn has one of the best organic reach right now uh-huh. of any legacy social media right now, as opposed to Facebook, which is 1% if that sometimes. Right. So do you heavily push on LinkedIn more because you know you're going to get the best organic reach or you split it up, diversify a little bit more between Twitter and LinkedIn? So, you know, my approach, again, really pivots around what the brand stands for. And what I think the best way to put it is what the brand will bear. So if I look at how we do things at Advanced Energy, Facebook is really reserved for our employer brand. We want to give people an opportunity to see what life is like at the company. And so those are the types of messages that we put out on that platform. Twitter audiences have a much shorter attention span and a much greater capacity for information. And so we really ramp up the amount of content, both self-created and third-party source content that we share on Twitter. And we blast several messages a day on the understanding that's really how Twitter is consumed. It's quick. It's varying degrees of real meaty content or not, but we want to kind of maximize how that audience uses that platform. LinkedIn, we primarily reserve for our, what I'll call our best and brightest content. What we typically term internally is our premium content. And that's simply because, again, back to what a LinkedIn audience is looking for, how they're using LinkedIn. So we want to share the best of what we've got there. And it's typically the longer form content and the stuff that people are really going to be apt to deep dive. Now that said, this can change at any time. Each of these networks, again, we look at the legacy networks, change repeatedly throughout the year how they're delivering their algorithms and what kind of content they are prioritizing. And so you've got to be able to respond to that. I just had an issue with LinkedIn, specific use case in my own life. I had an issue with LinkedIn mid-year where suddenly the reach of our posts dipped dramatically and it was shocking. And so called a few people that I know that also work in social media and kind of did some digging around and figured out, okay, there's an algorithm change that has happened and we're now seeing the fruits of that. So we've got to pivot how we're delivering this content. Made a couple of adjustments and within a few weeks we were back up and even over our engagement metrics we'd had in the first half of the year. So you've just got to be able to respond quickly to some of that. Uh, Algorithm changes. Yes. Yes. Good times. So speaking of video, but what about live streaming? Are you guys thinking about doing that in the content mix 
I know that LinkedIn has one now. Sure. It's been going pretty well. Twitter has it through Periscope and Facebook has it through Facebook Live. So I have personally done a fair bit of live streaming in my past. You know, I think what it really is about is, again, taking the temperature of the company and then also finding those opportunities. So it's not something that we have pursued at Advanced Energy, but it is certainly something that's on my radar. And beginning, the organization gets more comfortable with social media and begins to embrace it more fully. How do we find those opportunities to create interesting live stream content? I think live streaming is is unique. Certainly videos, you can kind of control the environment more. But what's so compelling about live streaming is the opportunity for anything to happen, right? So you want to find something that is that feels very now. I've got to know about this now. I want to be there for it. I want to see it happen in real time. And so finding those narratives can sometimes be a little challenging, but my eyes and ears are always open for them. Yeah, it's live streaming. Yes. It was made popular mostly by gaming, actually, specifically. (laughs) I am very aware. (laughs) Yeah. It has its pros and cons, like everything. <laughs> I have a fair bit of ex- experience communicating with gamers via mm. Twitter. So, an interesting community. <laughs> yes, we are very diverse. Yes, you are. Now, going to podcasting, I'm going to be a little yes. biased here. Are you guys looking to actually start your podcasting? Are you looking to find somebody else to do it for you? Because podcasting, even though it's kind of old, is still pretty sure. new popularity Yeah. So again, I think it's back to what the brand will bear and what those stories are that we want to tell. So the the industry that we work in is perhaps a little bit traditional in the way that it does marketing. And so there's a lot of new opportunity out there that requires organizations to really think beyond just their specific product narratives. And so spending the time to really dig into that and say, what can we, what can we talk about that is broadly relevant to our various industries is, is both interesting, but can also be a challenge. And so I think podcasting is not currently on my immediate radar for our brand, but it's certainly not off the table. Again, it's about finding the stories. So to some extent, any medium is on the table, but do we have the right narrative for that medium is the question. Podcasting is... Still relatively niche, yes. but it's big at the same time. It is. So it's always good to have it on your radar. Now, I'm going to do popular buzzwords in marketing. Okay. What about AI and machine learning? Because I know it's pretty big right now. I think I saw a program on AppSumo that uses AI to figure out your content writing for you. Is that kind of in the marketing mix right now to use advanced tools with machine learning and AI? So I think there's no way of getting around it. What I would say that B2Bs have to be careful for, especially if they've got technical content, is that you can't solely rely on those tools given the nature and the depth of the real meat of the content, right? So I can't just go in and type something using an AI tool to help me auto-generate content, that type of thing. It doesn't really work primarily because there's a level of sophistication that those tools have to have that is significant. And so we're going to always look for that opportunity to kind of automate those processes but you're not at this point going to get away from the human touch as well. That's where that's at. Now, that said, using AI and machine learning and MTIM communication, certainly in some of the listening sphere, there's some interesting things being done out there to help brands dive deeper and actually do some competitive intelligence and such as well. So what do you think the future of B2B for social media marketing looks like in the next five years, let's say? I can tell you what I hope it is. And it's back to what I said earlier. I really would like to see it become the primary vehicle for an outstanding customer experience because you've got a lot of opportunity to create something that is legitimately interesting and multimedia at, at its core, right? But it's also real time. And so the better that we get at these things, that social media can deliver a real bump 
in customer expectation and in customer experience overall that some of the traditional tools that have been used really can't deliver. And then what are the, some of the biggest obstacles that will face B2B in the near future, as opposed to what you look forward to, but also in social media marketing, but some obstacles you might face in the near future? Well, I think it's always a challenge to quantify in dollars and cents the benefit of social media, right? So a lot of major companies spend serious dollars each year to keep their programs running. But there's always a challenge to connect the work you're doing in social media to an actual revenue opportunity. And that's something that's consistent even in B2C. So I'll use a B2C example. How do you tie in what you've been doing on Twitter as a B2C brand to footfall in your store? That's a bit of a challenge. And so unless you've got an entire digital path for your customers that never leaves the digital realm, it's really hard to quantify that, right? So within AE's business, we still rely heavily on a sales team to do that work. There are a lot of great tools out there. Again, Salesforce is kind of this incredible brain that companies can use, but it's only as good as the data that the human puts into it. And so that's a perpetual challenge and making sure that every interaction with a customer is tied off in some sort of brain or operational brain so that you can actually track how many times you've hit this customer. Did they come in the door because of they found a white paper on LinkedIn? Okay, we'd love to be able to track that all the way through to sale completion and then even beyond across sale opportunities. There's going to be continued pressure on businesses to be able to actually quantify and say, how much money are we actually driving for all of the work we're putting into Twitter, Facebook, WeChat, TikTok, all of these other things. No, the return on investment. Yes. How do you quantify that? It's always the question yes. for every marketer. Every, and then in every generation. Yep, for sure. And then what would you give advice for some people wanting to get into it or students looking to do maybe more B2B than B2C? Yeah, social media? I would say you need to hone your writing skills. I think everybody thinks that because they have an Instagram account, they know how this works. And that's not untrue. You may know the fundamentals, but what a company needs or expects from social media is different than what I, as Stacey Sayer, am trying to get off social media. I'm going to maybe tell my age. I still use Facebook. It is still my primary communication <laughs> social network for me personally. What I'm trying to get out of it are typically laughs, right, with my personal network. That is not the same metric that I'm trying to get from anything that I do on behalf of Advanced Energy. The needs of a corporation are different than the needs of an individual. So I think knowing that is you need to understand the needs of a corporation. You need to hone your writing. You've got to be able to string sentences together and you've got to be able to do it quickly, adeptly, and interestingly. And then I think the third thing is these are hard jobs to get. There's not a lot of them. There was a time where basically as social media was ramping up. A lot of leadership in major corporations came about because somebody raised their hand that was already in the corporation and said, hey, we need a LinkedIn channel. We need a Twitter channel. I'll go and learn this. And that's not necessarily how it happens anymore. We hire specific talent in mind and in specific abilities. So if somebody's looking to break into social media, whether B2C or B2B, you, I would say, focus on those things that I've just mentioned, but also look at how you can use maybe volunteering opportunities. So there are any number of great animal shelters or nonprofits out there focus on any number of things, whatever, that could probably use your help. And so I find that volunteering your time is a really great opportunity to expand your skill set. Find a nonprofit you're excited about and say, do you need help with your Facebook or your Instagram account? I'm here. I'd love to help. How do I get engaged? 
And using that volunteering experience can help translate into a paid job. Do you think using or understanding how to use Adobe Creative Suite or anything like that would help as well? Typically, yes. I think it just kind of depends on what the needs are, but it certainly cannot hurt. So yes, using Creative Suite is probably a good skill set to have. Oftentimes a social media manager is called on to do a lot of writing, but they also can be called on, okay, I've got to switch up this image very quickly. I need to be able to create a small gift set or whatever. You need to be comfortable around multimedia in whatever form. So whether it's audio, visual, print, whatever, you've got to be able to pivot quickly and deliver content that's interesting. To be a Jack or Jill of all trades. Of all trades, yes. Yeah. Any final thoughts for our viewers about anything you're working on, social media marketing, cat ownership? (laughs) Uh, Cat ownership, patience. Patience is a virtue. (laughs) Know your role. (laughs) There's a, a defining principle that I use when I'm trying to decide what is worthy of social media visibility or not. And, and when I'm looking at a piece of content, I'm really looking for it to have a few certain hallmarks. And so I've got kind of like these five E's of content. I'm looking for content that is emotive, meaning it elicits an emotion. It can be happy or sad, but I don't want it to be apathetic. It needs to be educational. So it needs to teach its audience something new. It needs to be exclusive. So we want to be able to find content that if you follow us on Twitter, you can't get it anywhere else type of thing. And it needs to be engaging. So it should invite feedback. Social media is not a one-way communication network at its core. It is meant to engage in conversation. And so you want to create content that's going to offer that opportunity. Eye-catching. And that goes back to having a creative element. So you should never be putting anything out on a social network without having some sort of creative element, whether it's a video, whether it's an image, whether it's a short animation. There always needs to be something there to get people to stop scrolling. Mm, get people to stop scrolling on a phone. <laughs> mm, it's a pretty good challenge yeah. for a lot of social media marketers. So there you go. There's your challenge. How can you get people to stop scrolling through yep. their phone? Because it's one of the hardest things you actually can do. Yep. Stop. There you go. Actually, a pretty good ending. Yep. Eye-catching. There you go. So be sure to be eye-catching. Also, be sure to follow PR360 on all the major podcasting platforms. That is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or your favorite platform. We are on there. Just hit that subscribe button. Also, join us next week where we talk about more PR and tech in this podcast. And if you have any questions, please just email me at bdeister at grcprc.net and I will get back to you as soon as possible. All right, guys. See you next week later. 